This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, August 13th, 2021, and my guest is the excellent Jason Cipriani of ZDNet. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a busy week. I'm kind of tired, but I'm also yeah. super excited to have you on because the last time I had you on, we were in Europe at Huawei's, whatever it was, tour in Munich in a hotel room of all things. Yeah, I think we were sitting in a hotel room with a couple of executives from Huawei in Germany uh, recording the first episode I was on with you, which was a ton of fun. So it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks for being back. And I know you podcast on a regular basis. I'm like, how have I not had Jason back since then? Um, <laughs> anyway, so let's, look, it's Samsung Unpacked Galaxy Insanity Week, as we yes. all know. Uh-huh. I have kind of tuned out a little bit on this, to be frank. I, uh, I was like, well... It's too early in the morning, 7 a.m. Pacific. It's a public event. I've been briefed already. I know everything that's happening. So I was like, let's just uh, kind of see what people make of it. Now, you wrote a real great recap, actually. So walk us through basically what happened, and let's dig into each of the items, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. So it was yet another virtual event, which we've gotten used to now over the last, what, 18 months or so, 16 months. Uh, so Samsung, basically, if you were briefed, you you pretty much know exactly what the event was, because instead of just being a pre-recorded briefing, it was a pre-recorded virtual event that was more <laughs> more or less a commercial, right? And, in, in, you know, they, they announced four major products or four main products, I guess I should say. And one of those being the new Galaxy Watch 4 and the Watch 4 Classic, which is the first pair of smartwatches that we are getting to see that... With Wear OS, uh, the new Wear OS. With Wear OS, right, exactly, which is... Hold on a second. I'm confused about one thing. What's the difference between this active and non-active? So the active is gone. They're no longer using that name at all. Classic, whatever. Yeah, it's Watch 4 and Watch 4 Classic. And Classic, which I'm actually wearing right now, so people who are going to get the video we'll be able to see the only difference is the design the feature set and the specs are identical uh the classic has the traditional samsung rotatable ring around it whereas or the classic has that the standard watch 4 basically is the active which it has the flat design you know they're not the ah. recessed screen uh so they they've changed the names there but they're effectively the same as they were before right? Like there's not uh, a huge difference, it's especially feature wise. They do exactly the same thing. You know, the, the watch four is $250. The watch four classic is 350. So a little bit of a price difference. But I mean, actually it's quite a bit now you're saying yeah. mentioned it. Strange if the feature set is the same. Does it still have, I have an old original watch, not the watch two, the watch one with Tizen and I love it. And I don't use it much anymore because I have had more more wearables to review since. But I I love the the you know the ring around the screen. Yep. Is that still there, or is that a capacitive thing like the active was? 
So the the regular Watch 4, it's capacitive. The Watch 4 Classic has that ring for you to oh, navigate wow. and go through. So they, it's there, but the screen is recessed. It's not level with the bezel. So it makes it kind of hard to do gestures on the edges of the display, which I, I wish it would have been level with it like it is on the Watch 4. I don't have a Watch 4. I just have the Classic, uh, Watch 4 Classic here with me now. But, uh, you know, hey, it, it's still so far has been a great watch. Uh, Wear OS powered by Samsung, I think, is the official name that they announced during the event. So it's essentially one UI 3.0 on a watch. Uh, effectively, yeah, with yeah. Google integration. You know, if Google Maps is on it now. I know Messages and a few other apps are supposed to be there, but, you know, we have two weeks or so before this launches, and I have yet to see Messages work. Um, obviously, you could reply to Messages, you know, text messages you get or whatever, but uh, it, the app isn't built into the watch. Now that you mentioned disparities between those two, price-wise, at first I thought like that's not a big deal, but I thought there was going to be more functionality. So, okay. So it sounds to me like the capacitive thing was well done on the one time I used the watch active. So it seems to me that you probably want to just buy the base model, right? I mean, yeah, I haven't used the base model yet, so I can't speak to how battery life or whatever. They have the same size battery, so there really shouldn't be any difference at all. If if I was putting my money towards a Galaxy Watch 4, I would buy the Watch 4 standard, not the classic. And it's for that reason. I like that design better. Uh, You know, I like the flat display that doesn't have the rotating bezel. I know Samsung has been panned quite a bit for not having that on all of its watches. But when they added the digital version, the capacitive version in it, it worked just fine. And and I prefer that model. You know, one feature that they brought to these watches that they made a huge deal about is a new uh, combination of three sensors. And they're calling it the bioelectrical impedance analysis combination. Fancy name. (laughs) Yes, very fancy. And so what it does is it's the heartbeat sensor, which has AFib, detection, you could do your ECGs. It has a blood oxygen level sensor, which are standard, right? Those are, if you make a smartwatch now, those are standard components. those have to be there, yep. Yep, but now they actually measure your body composition. How the hell do they do that? Yeah, so it's, they went through, the actual keynote went through a whole process of demonstrating it, but basically there's electromagnetic current that has gone, goes through your body and there's two buttons on each watch. And what you need to do is put your fingers on each button while you're doing this and they it, the watch walks you through right, so it goes from one arm to the other arm yeah okay yeah right. it goes through your that whole body sense. and then at the yeah. end it tells you how much of your body is water how much is fat what you know your density all that stuff crazy it is but like my scale's been doing this for years right right like yeah I, exactly it's it, so so far i have yet to get the appeal of why i want my watch to do that i just don't find the appeal of any device wanting to tell me that unless i'm an athlete like you know what i'm saying like yeah and or unless like my doctor says listen you need to monitor this it's a problem or something then i'm on board with things like step tracking working yes. out and tracking my exercise on a map seeing how many calories i get and all that but like there are some things that i feel are just a little too much but hey Anyway, so let's jump to the phones because honestly, to me, yeah, that's that's a doozy. I think I'm gonna preface this, but this is based on just the briefing. I haven't touched the phones. There was I know there was a hands-on briefing in New York. Didn't make it to that, but my gut feeling is that they are finally at a place where these devices can be recommended to almost anyone. Am I correct with that? Yeah, I say 
You are 75% correct. I'm, I'm not sure the Fold 3 can be recommended to anyone because it's still expensive. And we'll dive into what all they've added to it to justify that price. They've dropped the, the launch price. It's $1,800 for the Galaxy Z Fold 3. They also announced the Galaxy Z Flip 3, which is $999. And that I'm super excited about. Honestly, I love the Flip last year. And the price point here, it's like you yeah. buy that or you buy a flagship. And I think you know, yeah, you don't have a telephoto on this, but there's a lot of flagships that don't have telephotos anymore now, like the OnePlus yep. 9. So, well, okay. So this becomes a valid proposition in my book. Yeah, I've been telling people, in, not literally do I mean this, but this is Samsung's Moto Razor moment. I think that with the Z Flip 3, we're going to see them sell a ton of these only because they've hit that 999 mental price point where it's easier to get over that hurdle of it being a thousand dollar phone which most phones are a thousand dollars for a flagship device right now and subsidize anyway you know what's going to happen within a month samsung's going to have a deal all the carriers are going to have deals from pretty much the get-go this is killer and to me the other killer is the ipx8 you know water resistance yeah so that is a game changer i think yeah hundred percent. It's, you know, with the waterproofing of one meter up to 30 minutes combined with the price and all of the colors and it being a completely different form factor than what we've gotten used to these black rectangles for the last five or six years. I think a lot of people who are on the fence about, do I really care about iPhone or have older Android devices that are looking for something different? The Flip 3 is going to be wildly attractive to them, especially at $999. And that's 128 gigs of storage. You pay $50 more and you get 256 gigs of storage. Like that, That to me, that's the one I would buy. I mean, absolutely. I already love the original Flip. I've got both the Flip and the Flip 5G. Uh, and I think that like you can't go wrong here. Like Especially they made the front screen bigger, which was a big deal. The Razer yeah. was always so much better for that, the new Razer, the folding Razer, um, folding display Razer. I think that, that that fixes a lot of the issues with the original where you really couldn't do anything with it closed other than like, read half of a notification <laughs> right. yeah so i haven't used any of the flips samsung for whatever reason doesn't send me any of their foldable devices they'll send me all the other devices but the foldable they don't do that for a lot of us like i got my z flip original by buying it and returning it and my z flip 5g is an at&t reviewing it from those fine folks over there yeah yeah so look the, the thing is to me stands out particularly here is I think it looks better. Like I think the more slab sides, the more squarish edges versus the roundness of the original, the fact that it's a little more compact when closed, the water resistance, the uh, bigger display in the front, which actually lets you interact with some things and do uh, payments without opening the phone. And the, the old one, you yeah. had to open it up to do Google Pay. And the result that was that you never knew which way to hold it on the machine either. You know, like which side has the NFC because it's not gotcha. on both sides. Yeah, right. So I got so many weird stares when I used to <laughs> like try to do contactless payment in the height of COVID last year with that phone. But like the reality is I'm super stoked about this. I think you're right. I think that between the fact that they've perfected this and the price point, and the marketing that's going to go behind this. Yeah. This phone, like, if you're, like, on the fence between iPhone, Android, or, you know, you're a long-time iPhone user and you're trying to get out for whatever reason, very rare. I know there's not too many people. They're locked in with iMessage and stuff. But you're looking at this and you're like, this is the reason to flip. 
right? Like this is it. Part of the pun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's super attractive and it's something different. And, you know, they have what are the, the flex mode where you can take pictures and group yeah. selfies and like all of that. The, and to your point, the marketing approach to this with the cases that have clips on the back to hold, like the whole thing is super compelling to me. And honestly, I cannot wait to get my hands on one for once. Like I've always looked at their foldable announcements and been like, meh, okay, cool. I'm glad they're trying something different. And this year is the first year for the flip and the fold where I've been like, I have to try these. I, yeah. I absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah, for me, last year was that year. And that's why I went ahead and bought a flip when it launched and played with it for a bit. But then I realized, you know what? It's a little hard for me to justify keeping this considering how much I paid for it and how much, you know, it still needs some tweaking, yeah. Yeah. especially with that small display. But um, the other thing I want to point out is that spec-wise, really, this is just an upgrade over last year's. There's a Snapdragon 888. There is some cameras that are basically identical to last year's cameras. I mean, yeah. you can't go wrong with these. They don't look great on paper, but these are the tried and true 12 megapixel pair you see on phones like the S20 FE, which we all know is a fantastic camera phone. Uh, the, the, the previous Z Flip and the previous Z Fold 2, these are solid, reliable, dependable cameras. Now there's no telephoto and that's going to be a bit of an issue because with 12 megapixels zooming in is, you know, you can't rely on that main sensor for 2x zoom to be as good as say on a 48 or 50 megapixel 2x zoom, you know, but at the same time for the kind of audience this is meant to, I think that works, right? I, I'm not going to complain. And it has everything you need. Wireless charging, you know, you've got like, what, how much RAM is on this thing? Do you know off the top Eight of your gigs. head? Oh, there you go. So you're you're pretty future proof there. Who needs more than that? Um, probably not too many people. Maybe us, but I don't think the average person. I'm good with eight. Yeah, I'm happy with eight. Six yeah. is a little rough. Four is yeah. no go. Yeah, let's not even talk about it. It'll be interesting to see how that changes, if at all, with Android 12 coming out soon. But at the same time, you know, a lot of pixels from last year only have six gigs. So I think Google probably has this under control. Anyway, look, the Z Flip 3, I cannot wait to get a review in it. I might be, you know, hot hardware I do for, for reviews for them. They think they're getting either a flip or a fold. Depending on the timing, my availability and stuff, I might be reviewing one of those. So I'll keep you posted, folks, of course. And uh, check the YouTube out to find out what's going on with that in terms of unboxings and whatever. But um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think that... Samsung is just killing it here. Like, they're just killing it generally. It's funny, too, though, because their business is not doing so hot. Like, they're not selling as many S21s as they wanted. Right. Yet, at the same time, these are the best S20 or the S-class, S21-class devices we've ever had. And I think this is the same with these folding phones. Yeah, I mean, look at the Z Fold 3 and bringing the S Pen to it. And now they had to go and, you know, re-engineer the S Pen. How does that even work? After using a Z Fold 2 last year, I'm like, I wouldn't want to put anything pointy on the display. And I know they've right. probably made it more resilient, but I hear the tip retracts if you push too hard, right? Yeah, that's that's the magic here for it. I think, you know, obviously they have a, a, a more rugged display, I guess, is a way of putting it. But it, I think the magic is in the tip of the S Pen and the fact that it moves instead of being rigid as you write across the screen. So it's not going to uh -huh. leave indentions suspension design 
Yeah, I don't remember who posted it on Twitter, but someone tried using a standard S Pen on the display, and right away it said, whoa, 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 use only the approved S Pens Oh, for it detected display. it. Yeah, it wow. detected it and said, do not do that. Like, basically is what the message said, you know? So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, six months from now how these displays really hold up. Does the converse work, though? Can you use uh, the new S Pen on the old uh, devices that support S Pens? So the S Pen Pro Edition, which is the more expensive one, I believe can be used on older devices, but the S Pen Fold Edition can only be used on the Fold. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. You'll have to double check me, but I think that's what it was. No, I think I remember this from the briefing. You're right. Um, But look, I'm not an S Pen person. Me either. But I know there are a lot of people who are, and there's strong rumors we're not getting a note this year because, probably because supply issues, quite frankly. But that means that you know, maybe if you want, you know, a phone with a stylus, an S Pen from Samsung, eh, the S21 Ultra is an option, but it's a big phone to start with, but yeah. even bigger and bulkier with that case and that optional S Pen. But further, at that point, if you have something that big, you know, yeah, it's less money, but you might as well go for the Z Fold 3, right? Because I think that you, you're getting more real estate. You, you Then having a case with a silo, or whatever they're using. I think they have a loop or something, right? Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, I think that works better then because it's like a folio at that point. Right. And you're going to be better. So I think it kind of makes sense that the note would go away to give way to the fold as a S Pen compatible device because the note is all about note taking, obviously, and people use it for that a lot of people. I've seen them. I'm amazed that they do it, though. Like, I, I can't fathom how they do it, but they do Me it. <laughs> and now they have, t- like, what, one and a half times the screen real estate or something? Yeah. Two times the screen real estate? Yeah, for me, a stylus makes more sense on a display this big. What is it, a 7.6-inch display when you open it up? that just It just makes more sense to have something to write on the display with as opposed to even on the biggest Note device. It just, that single screen, single width screen just didn't, didn't work for me. Look, it's interesting that you bring up the displays because one of the things that they've done on both the Z Flip 3 and the Z Fold 3 this year is go 120 hertz across the board, right? Last year, right. the Z Flip, did not have uh, a high refresh rate display. Now it does. And the Z Fold, last year, the outside display was 60 hertz and the inside was 120. So that, I mean, like, to me, it's crazy that we still have phones out there that are shipping. And, and it's okay for, like, the affordable phones. But but most, even Chinese phones at less than $500 now, 300 500 400 have a 90 or 120 hertz display. So it's crazy to me that there are phones out there that are still shipping with 60 hertz, and especially at this kind of flagship price. So it makes sense that Samsung would do this. But at the same time, honestly, this flip, it's welcome. But on the fold, the, the front display could have stayed like 60. I don't think it would have mattered that much, you know? <laughs> right, like the yeah. fact that they went through that effort blows my freaking mind. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I see, to your point, there's really no need. And it would have been a way for them to lower the cost, right? Uh, and get down below that $1,800 threshold, which is where, heading into the event, the Z Fold 2 was priced at. And now we have the Z Fold 3 that starts at $1,800. So by doing a 60 hertz display, they could have lowered that price a little bit. But again, this is Samsung. In two months, there's going to yeah. be a good deal on the Z yeah. Fold 3. They're already 100%. given up to $1,000 or $800 for trade-ins. They'll let you trade in four devices this year. Wow. You could trade in- Like simultaneously? 
Yeah, you can, you, they will allow you to trade in up to four devices towards a flip or a fold three, uh, and they could be smartwatches, phones, or tablets. And I haven't gone through the process to see what their list of qualifying devices are. Oh, this is totally a Jason Cipriani kind of article. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. I mean, four devices, that's a lot. But <laughs> and, and you and I have that many laying around here, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know many people that do outside of that. You could get, you know, a, a flip for a couple hundred bucks if you do it right. I think this is good, though, because it recycles. A lot of people... 100%. They're not very good at recycling. And you still, even though you're right, like the flip in particular is very much going to be a mainstream, fashion-oriented, lifestyle-oriented yep. product, I think the fold is still very much like a, I'm a pro, I want the S-Pen, I'm a hardcore productivity nut. And those folks, you know, are also the early adopter tech-savvy nuts, and they have yep. every freaking Galaxy Note ever made. And except for maybe the seven that they had to return, but they have them. And if you can trade two of those in, right? Like, you know, I think it's not impossible and I can kind of see where Samsung's going with this. Yeah, it is right. a good way to, to recycle and get, get that e-waste off of people's shelves and, you know, whatever. But it, you, I, wonder, I wonder if you did try to trade in a Note 7, what they would say. I, that would be a, <laughs> a, an interesting process. Uh, they would freak out. Uh, because you're not supposed <laughs> to have had a Note 7 anymore right, all these yeah. years. It's like probably yeah. like unstable, radioactive, you know, kind of material that, that needs to be handled. <laughs> right. Like they need to clear the block in a one mile area if you bring one of those to a store. So yeah, be careful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, the Z Fold 3, let's quickly go some some specs because there's some interesting stuff about the cameras I want to talk about. But the uh, Snapdragon 888, of course, we got, yep. is it 8 or 12 gigs of RAM on this one? They bumped it up to 12 on both bottles. Wow, wow, nice. Yeah. And then we have, what's the storage option? You have 256 for $17.99 or $512 for $18.99, so 100 bucks up. That's not too bad, actually, $512, wow. Um, so... You know, there you go. And then it's thinner when it's closed again. It's also more slab design like the other one. And it is water resistant as well. How the hell did they make folding phones that are water resistant? Yeah, so they showed a, a video during the keynote of how they did it. And it, instead of trying to waterproof the outside, they're basically admitting defeat and saying water can get inside and they waterproofed the inside of the device. So there's ah. like tape and there's, you know, uh, material in, in various places, strategic places that will keep water from getting to the main components. So it's kind of like in a roundabout way what Moto's doing where they're nano-coating, right? Like, you yeah. know, they're water repellent nano-coating on all the parts inside, which obviously is only a, you know, drop in the toilet kind of thing. But it it's still, you want that. It's better than losing your phone from something as, you know, simple as spilling a glass of water on it. Exactly. And you know it's not going to be a glass of water. It's going to be coffee. It's going to be orange juice. It's going to be beer. And then yep. you're really in trouble because of all that sticky stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think this is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. So what did you want to talk about the cameras? Well, okay, so I'm going to leave the best for last or the most bizarre for last. The, the, <laughs> okay. the triple 12 megapixel rear camera system is... The, again, the an evolution of what we had on the Z Fold 2 and we have on the Galaxy S20 Fan Edition. I think the S20 Fan Edition has an 8 megapixel telephoto. This is, I think, a 12. So the point is that you're, look, again, as I said for the flip, this is, you can't go wrong with this camera system. It's a really solid baseline. Samsung's been developing it for years. I think yeah. it's going to kick ass. But don't expect, you know, to have like that 
Galaxy S21 Ultra, you know, flexibility and the crazy, you know, pixel count that lets you do some cool stuff. I've been, you know, I've been reviewing cars lately for tech radar, EVs and uh, plug-in hybrids. My, my nice. first review is going to be coming out very soon. And it's, it's like I've been taking the car photos with the S21. I decided, like, I need that level of flexibility with the telephotos because, you know, cars don't look good at wide angle. They kind of look weird. So you want to be stepping back and doing, like, a 2, 3, 4X telephoto shot. And I was like, what phone? I mean, I have a lot of phones. I have, like, the P40 Pro Plus. I have a Note 20 Ultra, which has a 5X, a great 5X telephone. I was like, which phone do I think is going to be? And it's the S21 because I need, you know, a Google Drive to upload, Google Photos and stuff. So there you go. And honestly, I'm finding, I'm starting to find the limitations of that camera system for the first time. But at the same time, it's totally killing it. Like, I feel like I can show up at an event with just that and maybe my laptop and I'm good to go, which is, a, you know, for phone reviews, I've always done that. I've, I've been using phones to take pictures of phones for a really long time sure. and I have a workflow yeah. for that. But for cars, it was a new thing. I was like, can I pull that off? Do I still need to bring my Sony Alpha? No, I don't. <laughs> right. and, and that's kind of impressive to me at least for web consumption. If I was doing magazine work, it'd be different. But it's interesting that Samsung has, you know, managed to to kind of like keep that 12 megapixel trio of cameras so good, so relevant for so long. And, and I guess, look, Apple does the same thing with the iPhone, right? Like, I mean, they don't have any 50 or 48 or 108 or 64 megapixel sensors in there. No, they don't. Yeah. It, and it's all in tuning, right? I mean, that's what it all comes down to. They know their hardware and they, they're able to tune the cameras to get the performance they want out of it. And it, they do an amazing job. Like like you, I've used my iPhone actually as my main camera to cover events for the last couple of years. And I have had zero issues doing that. Now, taking pictures of cars, I probably have a learning process to go through like yourself. But uh, yeah, it, phone and it doesn't matter, Samsung or Apple, phones are good enough with their cameras to take pictures and, and actually make a living doing it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, the challenge is a neutral density filter or some sort of polarization filter is what I really need. So that's missing, but I'm almost tempted to buy like a polarization card, you know, yeah. and just like tape it to the back of the phone uh, <laughs> just while I shoot because that just, that's the biggest one. Uh, non, uh, you know, an ND filter, I don't think I need it per se. It would, sure. you know, I can play with the exposure and stuff. The, the biggest challenge I'm finding with the, the S21 Ultra as an aside here is the white balance um, and issues shooting in uh, bright blue skies like everything turns blue especially with the reflections on the cars and the white balance is trying hard to find the right thing and it's just not doing it so i i think that's where a real camera i don't think phones are not real cameras they're very usable cameras i don't like that word real yeah, no. but like a dedicated camera a dedicated is camera, yeah. is more probably more flexible there i think that i if i shot manual mode i'm going to try that next um I might lose some of the HDR and stuff, but I don't know how it works. Depends on the phones, but the uh, white setting the white balance based on location and and leaving it there, I think, might be the solution for that problem. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the cameras on the Z Fold Three because there is also a, another of the cameras is the 10 megapixel front camera on both the flip and the fold in the front of the fold, like the actual uh, cover display. And those again are the tried and true. 10 megapixel you know, selfie cameras that we've seen on a zillion Samsung phones and 
notes for years. But the one that's really interesting is the under display camera and the main display of the Z Fold 3. Do you know the specs on that off the top of your head? Uh, four megapixels is is all I can remember right now. Uh, yeah, so four megapixels, it's not going to be... Is it bin down to four or, or sorry, 16 bin down to four, something like that? Because I hear that one of the problems with the under display and the way they're compensating for it is obviously you lose some light, right? Yeah. So you, you and you can only go so far with the f-stop. So they're doing pixel binning just to increase pixel size on a lot of these. So I'm wondering if Samsung's quoting the actual four megapixel of an actual four megapixel sensor or saying, oh, it's a 16. We're not going to tell anyone with pixel binning by default. I don't know. Yeah, they they haven't said that, and that's that that's interesting insight. I have yet to use a phone with an under display camera. I'm in the same boat, but it's um, interesting because so it started with ZTE was the first uh, to do it last year with the Ultra. What was it? The ZTE Axon, Axon Twenty, yeah. I think Pro maybe. Anyway, yeah. and it sucked. Like we, I, I didn't even request your unit. I saw the you know, my YouTube creator friends getting theirs like, and showing, and I'm like, no, this is not even worth it. So, but ZT has been in touch with me about the second gen, which is uh, the Axon 30 5G, and it's, it's in the mail. So I, I will be getting that before I get the Fold probably to try. And right. I'm sure that if Samsung put this on their most expensive flagship phone, right? I mean, it is their flagship. The S21 Ultra is kind of the old school flagship. Right. I think that it's got to be at least passable. And I know that the new ZT, ZT uh, the Axon 30 is much better, much better. Like I saw the samples so far and I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is workable. So yeah, this obviously isn't going to be a camera. You're going to take a ton of selfies on. This is going to be your Microsoft Teams zoom camera while you're multitasking. Uh, but this isn't what you're going to flip to or fold open to to take a selfie real quick you may take some occasionally but even if it is you know just the four megapixel you're there's a lot better cameras on this phone and a lot easier ways to take better shots than flipping it open yeah, flex mode like i mean this is the thing yeah. i would never even use the selfie cameras on this phone on these yeah. phones period yeah exactly like there's no reason It'll be interesting because, you know, Samsung said they hide it really well, but every every video and picture during the keynote, you could you see, could see clearly <laughs> where the camera was. And so I haven't really paid much attention to any hands-on or anything yet, but I don't know how apparent it is on the display itself uh, yet. ZTE says that they have fixed some of these issues. I mean, the original phone last year's the 20, whatever, the Axon 20 Pro, whatever it was, had like a clearly obvious square where the under display was. And it was just like, it made you shake your head. Like yeah. even the average consumer would be like, what the hell is this? This is just but, a cut But out. this <laughs> new one, the, the 30 that's coming, the Axon 35 G that I've got on the way, it's much more subtle. And I think the way they explained it to me, at least this is at least ZTE here explaining it to me, is that they are, if they're able to make the pixels, instead of lowering the pixel density in that area, having less pixels, they're making the pixels smaller now. So it's the density remains, which is the big change from the first gen or second gen or whatever it was before. Because, you know, first gen was probably just in the lab. Yeah, right. And so, you know, and I mentioned this on the show last week, like Xiaomi, we're going to talk about them in a minute. They've got the Mi Mix 4 now, which also has an under-display camera. And then there is Oppo announced their under-display camera. I think 2022 flagships, most of them are going to have some kind of under-display camera. This is a thing now. Yeah, I agree. And in Samsung's 
traditional pattern has been use the note line, which the Fold or the Z series is now replacing effectively, as a test bed for features that are going to come to the S series. So I would say it's a safe bet that S22 Ultra 5G, add whatever words you want behind that, will have an under display camera or in display camera, whatever you want to call it, or whatever the current marketing term is. But yeah, I, I agree with you. 2022 is going to be full of phones that apparently don't have a front display camera, but it's there, you know? I think this might be an okay compromise if the quality is acceptable on the sure. pictures it takes. In so far that, you know, especially when you're gaming and stuff, really having a hole there is, you know, even if it's a slightly less bright or slightly, you know, less detailed there, it, it is important that you see whatever it is, that little enemy unit that's coming from that left field is right below the, the center hole right. punch. Don't, you know, like that, that, I mean, for, for some yeah. people, I think I don't game on my phone much, but some people do. And, and I appreciate Or that. even just the letterbox display. So you don't have to deal with that. It, uh, it's a little bit of screen real yeah. estate. You have to give up. And I'm talking yeah. about Apple and the cutout. Oh man. They're going to have some problems getting all that under a display, all of that sensing stuff. Yeah, they are. So, just the, the dot matrix is going to be... Yeah. I will see what happens. I mean, I think they're going to have to head that way eventually. People are not going to want something that looks like a... Remember a Pixel 4? <laughs> a Pixel 4 <laughs> XL with a giant forehead, like yes. uh, kind of like iMac, but upside down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, man. But look, I'm, let's, let's kind of go over this real quick, this... this you know, Samsung announcement. Are we, I mean, what do you think? Is this, we, we also have talked about the buds real quick, but I think like overall, this is, this is some good stuff. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, I'm not a Samsung fan. Like people know this on the show. I'm not like, I feel like I don't want to buy a Samsung phone simply because I don't want to be like everyone else. And it's like iPhone or Samsung in the US. It's kind of ridiculous. I know there's a lot of folks here listening from India and the UK <laughs> and Australia and Canada, but like here in the US, it's like you pull out a Samsung and people don't even notice. Like you pull out right. an Oppo Find X3 Pro and people are like, what is that? Right? Like it's, Yeah, where'd you get that phone? Yeah. And so that's kind of my, my vibe. But at the same time, I cannot deny with the specials that the carriers have, with the deals that roll in very quickly with Samsung and and generally the fact that in this country people buy their phones on subsidy of some kind or some sort of payment plan that you just can't go wrong with these Samsung phones or iPhones and this is just stepping things up in a whole new direction right yeah i think it completely changed or at least for me personally but i think it's going to broader than that is change how people view samsung devices because you're right people pull out the latest s20 or s21 and it's just like okay whatever but you pull out a phone and you flip it open and you start seeing more and more people do that or you fold it open because uh, you know the the fold has been out for what three years now this yeah. is the third generation and i have yet to see a random stranger open a fold yeah. anywhere in public let alone a z flip so with it becoming more commonplace after this because they're going to sell a ton of the z flip three they're they are it, that's going to change the conversation surrounding samsung and how people look at their devices this is the most excited coming out of a samsung event i've been for their phones in a very long time because most of the time, it's just iterative improvements on hardware that's already there. The Note line gave us a preview of what was coming to the next S series. The S series led into the Note line, and it just was a cycle of we kind of already knew what was coming based on yeah. what was out. This kind of flips that on its head, and, and we don't really know a whole Pardon lot. Pardon the pun. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, pardon the pun. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think it was a solid event for Samsung, even if it was a bit uh, commercially. It wasn't... Well, very... you expect that, right? Yeah, I mean... yeah. It just... Their their last few events seemed a little bit more personable, and this one was... It was like a 65-minute infomercial. Well, consider it's not as bad as the Galaxy S3 launch in New York was years ago. Remember that? I don't remember that one. Oh, my God. It was a disaster. Anyway, <laughs> it had all the isms that you yeah, can okay. possibly imagine rolled yeah. into a presentation. Everybody was cringing. Right? Like, ah, it got lost in translation, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So... Let's talk about the last thing. They announced yeah. the Buds 2? Galaxy Buds 2, yeah. yeah. Galaxy. So these replaced the Galaxy. With ANC, right? Woo-hoo. Yeah, with ANC and Ambient, $150. Uh, I think it's five and a half hours of battery life, five hours of battery life when ANC is on, up to 29 hours of battery life with the case, which is pretty standard now for most of these, uh, especially any of Samsung's wireless earbuds, but they're smaller. And that's, that's what is really, I don't think they pushed that enough during the keynote is these buds are small and they fit really well and they sound good. The ANC isn't as good as they are on say, you have a pair AirPods pro. I do. Yeah. I have the, uh, lime green pair or whatever, whatever color olive, olive green. Nice. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And you know, I've enjoyed using them. The ANC, like I said, they said it blocks out 98%, but I, it, it's less than that because I can hear typing on my keyboard. I can still hear it. It comes through. So they're not as good as the AirPods Pro, uh, but you're also saving yourself 100 bucks. Here's something we didn't talk about that we should probably mention, and it's that the Buds 2 and the Galaxy Watch 4 no longer are being supported officially on iPhone. So you can't use Whoa. the watch with an iPhone. You can pair the Buds 2 to an iPhone, but they're not updating their wearable app to make it compatible so you can change settings and update firmware and all of that. So in a way, they're dropping support for any anything outside of the Android ecosystem now, which at the end of the keynote, if you didn't watch it, you didn't see this because they didn't even do this during the briefing, they went on about how they are about open ecosystems and not locking anyone into anything, yet they pulled iPhone support from the accessories that traditionally have had iPhone support. So what's the retail on these then? They are 150 149 So what about the same price as the upcoming OnePlus Buds Pro, which also have ANC? Does the case have wireless charging? It does. They don't. Okay. They don't advertise it anywhere, <laughs> but it does. Yeah. So is OnePlus. So these are. This is where I'm just trying to give folks some perspective as to where they can place these in the market. Yeah. Um, sure. Obviously, you got ANC. You got 150 dollar price point. They're small. They're light. They've got good battery life. How do they sound? They they sound like typical Samsung buds because they're pretty yeah. good. All, all all of them have been pretty decent to me. Yeah, I don't have any complaints about sound at all. Like I'm no right. audiophile, so I, I can't go into highs, mids, and lows. But look, uh, they sound as good as as uh, the Galaxy Buds Pro and what whatever else they had, the bean-looking ones. I forget what those were called off the top of my head. They're right in line with all of those. Yeah, I think that the the reality is basically right now we're kind of at the big brands are finally kind of joining the the you know Alibaba Amazon special no-name brand ANC earbud pricing like and they're slowly getting in that direction for better or for worse right i mean the, the reality is that within 2 3 years you'll be able to buy from all the big brands like you do right now in china from all the big chinese brands but very soon in the us from all the big brands that sell phones here will be selling buds 
pretty much in every store for like $99 yeah. or less. And they will yeah. all have ANC and wireless charging and everything. This is starting now. The uh, the Nothing Ear 1, which I have a review in it of, and I can actually say sound pretty damn good for the money. Do they? $99, ANC, you know, wireless charging, good battery life, sound decent, and here you go. You know, like, and they look really cool. The design is very interesting. Yeah, they do but look slick. But the other ones are the TCL Move Audio S600, which are came out with the TCL 20 series here in the US recently, the phones. And those are $99 as well. And they're, you know, like ANC, wireless charging, sound really decent, and good battery life and comfortable. Again, I think we're, there's a pattern. And then, you know, you go up $50 and you get the Galaxy Buds 2 and you get the OnePlus Buds Pro, which we're all waiting for review and it's still, so we don't know. But <laughs> the the reality is it's 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 happening and Apple is going to have to adjust. I mean, in the same yeah. way as they made a, a $99 HomePod, they're going to have to make, I think very soon, at least a $150 pair of AirPods that have ANC, have wireless charging, and, you know, maybe not, maybe they'll do 179, but you know what I'm saying? Like the right, same price 100%. as you can get most of the stuff right now for, for cheap, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're supposed to see AirPods 3, hopefully in September. So maybe that's when we'll see Yeah, it. how long has it been? Like the rumors are just like forever rumors <laughs> yeah, at this point. Yeah, it seems like a rolling rumor. Uh, yeah, it's been going on forever. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's Samsung, folks. Uh, here we are 40 minutes in. That's exactly what I was expecting. Perfect. We've covered pretty much everything. And and, and as, as we said earlier, like I think the takeaway here is you, we can't just make fun of this and just be, you know, kind of like blasé about it. This is good stuff all yeah. around. Like I cannot say, like before I could say, well, they're running ties and I can't get, you know, the Google Assistant on the watches and I can't get my Google Maps, even though I love the, the battery life, the experience, right? But now you have that with the Google integration. On the phones, you got water resistant. The prices have gone down. Everything's up to date in specs. And as you said, the Z Flip, I think is going to, I would be really surprised if it doesn't do well. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is people are so, you know, struggling financially that they're just not even going to bother. And it's going to take another cycle before they hand on, you know, they sell their or give away their old broken phones to get this one. I agree. But other than that, like it can't go wrong. Um, and then of course, you know, the buds, well, Another pair of buds from Samsung, not too surprising. But the Fold is just, you know, the Fold. I, I bought the Z Fold 2 last year. Again, I returned it because I couldn't justify keeping it. But holy, it was such a great, I mean, it was insane. It's such a powerhouse. And it was so fast too, like, like, it, like feel fast. Like not, you know, you can look at the specs and run the benchmarks. But like, I just yeah. was like, I can be so productive on this thing. Like. Really, really. And, and so if the Z Fold 3 is better, which we hope it is, in terms of specs translating into performance, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with that fully. I'm, I cannot wait. I have ordered a Z Fold 3 that I plan on returning uh, since Samsung won't send me one. But like, this is the first time I've done that at all. And so, you know, it's supposed to arrive on August 27th when all of these devices are officially available. And I cannot wait to get one in my hands. Yep. Yep. All right. So we got a few more topics. It's actually a pretty quiet week because Samsung just, like last week with the, you know, Pixel news, where uh, <laughs> Google kind of stole the show for the rest of the week. This this week, obviously, like this was, we knew this was going to be a vacuum created by the, the Samsung stuff. Sure. But 
There's a f- bunch of Chinese phone news that I think are pretty interesting, actually. So I want to go over there real quick. I don't know how much you follow these phones because you, you know, you, I know that a lot of the U.S. you know journalists have their hands full with just what we get here. Yeah. I tend to have an audience that's kind of international, so because of that, I always keep an eye on the Chinese stuff, right? Yeah, I don't really follow. I mean, Oppo. Xiaomi, I I follow them a little bit just so I could because they always seem to do stuff earlier than it makes it to Samsung and Apple and everyone else, right? It kind of trickles down from there. They usually push limits, but I don't follow them extremely closely. I've never received a re- review device or even requested one from either company. Yeah. So the Mi Mix 4 is out in China and it is, well, it was announced. I don't know if it's actually you probably pre-order it or something. And it is kind of hard to place it because it was traditionally the Mi Mix series was always the flagship, right? And then it stopped for a while. They just haven't made one since the Mi Mix 3, like two or three years ago. And so we've had the, the Xiaomi 11 and 11 Ultra that are really like, like think Galaxy S21, S21 Ultra in terms of spec and okay. performance, right? Those exist. I've got both of them and they are pretty much, you know, what you expect. Like everything in the kitchen sink, phenomenal camera systems, just, you know, they're killing it. Xiaomi is killing it right now. They were number one phone maker globally in June. It's yeah. insane. And so, okay. But then the mix just came out of the woodwork again, the mix four. And it's kind of hard to place it because like compare that spec wise to the 11 ultra and the 11, the 11 ultra is still like the mother of all phones, like the S 21 ultra. But this is kind of like pushing the envelope. It's, it's kind of in a way like the flip, you know, it's like, it might not be quite spec wise as insane, but it's close a and B it's super like premium, you know? And, and I think that's kind of the takeaway I get from this. So you get an under display camera here and it's a 20 megapixel. So they are doing definitely doing the quad pixel binning down to five megapixel to improve the low light performance or the, the fact that there is basically some dimming of light coming in from the display and a 6.67 inch 1080p panel of course it's probably 120 hertz like all panels these days and you know camera systems are almost a match other than that crazy under display front camera is a match for the Mi 11 right so we're looking at like that 108 megapixel main sensor from the Mi 11 and i think there's like a te- there's a periscope telephoto on this which is also present on the uh, Mi 11 Ultra so it's like a blend of the camera systems from the 11 and the 11 Ultra and again the the goal here is to make a super premium phone ceramic right like that the Mi Mix prior to that were also ceramic and it's ceramic all the way around like it's it's i mean there's a bit of a frame but it's really quite something especially the white one and you know everything like snapdragon this is an 888 plus so this is like one of it's like officially because the next day we got the next phone we're going to talk about the honor magic 3 and the honor magic 3 was announced to have an 888 plus officially before the Mi Mix 4 but the Mi Mix 4 came out before so technically one of these <laughs> yeah. two phone By is the first <laughs> 888 plus phone and also this has xiaomi's own kind of implementation of ultra wideband which we've seen on the iphone and on samsung phones and right now isn't really used for much other than on the iphone it's used extensively for the find my features right yeah so interesting that we're starting to see that i hope they can standardize across manufacturers i assume that the radios use the same bands because the bands are only available through the fcc and other organizations and agencies in various countries right yeah that makes sense 
So yeah, we've got, you know, 8 megapixel 5X telephoto periscope, 108 megapixel main, 13 megapixel ultra wide, like nothing too crazy. 4,500 milliamp hour battery, but here's the other, here's the killer. 120 watt wired charging. Yeah. Like it's not the first Xiaomi phone with it, but it, in the past they haven't put it in their flagships. So this is uh, kind of incredible. A uh, 50 watt wireless charging. Again, you know, we've seen this on OnePlus and stuff and Xiaomi's done it before, but 120 watt charging. <laughs> They claim zero to 100% in 21 minutes. <laughs> I need zero that. to burn your desk in 21 minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes in the last I, minute. I don't know. I mean, I like the idea that you plug it in for five minutes and you in the shower and you come out and you're like, you get 50% of your battery yeah. back. But I do worry a little bit about the longevity when yep. you do this too often, right? Yeah, so, that's, the, that's the main concern with any of this faster charging tech, right? Is yes, it's nice. And this goes to what you were talking about earlier electric cars as well. This is it's a battery issue at the core is eventually that battery is going to degrade to the point where it's not worth charging at all anymore so it's impressive but you know it's interesting i i i'm on my second model three i i had one for three years from mm-hmm. launch on to this summer and then i got a new one this summer just mostly because i wanted some of the like the software features have you know obviously every month kept track but they've done a few tweaks under the hood because Tesla doesn't update their cars yearly like normal makers. They do whatever updates they feel like, whenever right. they do feel like, it, which is probably a nightmare for people trying to repair these cars because like VIN number, oh, this only applies to this week of manufacture. But the reality is I can tell you the battery degradation was very minor. And I did a lot. My first Tesla, I was living in Portland, Oregon and San Francisco and commuting back and forth a lot. So I was using supercharging a lot. Sure. And I wasn't always charging to 100, but I was often having to charge pretty high. And I saw some degradation, but it, you know, over 33,000 miles of driving, I saw maybe 5 to 7% degradation, which considering I don't have charging at home or anything, so I was always charging at superchargers usually. It's a pretty impressive Oh yeah. It's pretty impressive uh, how battery management can work. And I think for these phones, it's probably the same. Like I know that on the OnePlus phone, you have intelligent charging where it kind of detects with, you know, your, your usage habits and it will slow down the charging if it knows that you're going to charge all night based on previous patterns. You can turn that off and stuff. And and I've seen this on, on Chinese phones as well. Xiaomi, Oppo, you know, where they have these features where it, it lets you kind of tweak that manually and or have these these automated things where they're like, hey, you know, like you haven't picked up the phone for the last 10 minutes. I'm going to slow down the charging now, right? Because yeah. we want to keep the battery happy. And then um, it's interesting. Like, I think that with all the sensors phones have, they can kind of get a, f- you know, snapshot of their environments and decide like, is this based on time of day and the fact that I'm hearing no noise, no motion, no light. Yeah. Probably slow down charging because it's probably and temperature yeah, of the room, right? Yeah, it's probably they're sleeping right now. Um, so you know, AI again comes in here with machine learning, looking at these patterns. So we're gonna see some of that stuff happening. So anyway, you know, I think it's uh, this is a very interesting phone. Will it come to the West? There might be a global version. We don't know. But the pricing in China is always, you know, again, a lot of these companies subsidize their pricing through services, as you know, like Apple does. And well, Apple doesn't use subsidy. (laughs) So Apple has all these services, but doesn't subsidize devices with them. But like Amazon is what I should say, right? Um, So $770 US for the 8 gigs version, 128 gig, and the 970 for the 12 gig, 512 gig, which is very aggressive. So you can easily... Um, 1.5 times that price or 1.3 times that price for global versions. 
So, you know, again, Xiaomi lately has priced their flagships like the Mi 11, Mi 11 Ultra and this Mix 4, you know, at the higher tiers of pricing, like to compete with Samsung in the West. And I think that's because they can. That's because they finally are, you know, on equal footing to right. what Apple and, you know, Samsung and, and the best are making. And it's working for them. And I, and I think that they sell so many phones with their right. Pocos line, their Redmi line, and their cheaper Xiaomi line that are like every price point from like $100, every $50, right, pretty much, that you, you, you have no reason to necessarily spend that kind of money and still get a really great Xiaomi phone. Like the Mi 11 Lite 5G is a really great example of that. It's 99, like 98% of the Mi 11 for like 75% of the price, you know? That's awesome. So, yeah. So like, look, this is, I'm not, Crazy excited about this, but I having had a, a, a Mi Mix 3 to review before here, a few couple of years back, and that ceramic body and, and like the all screen, you know, nothing interrupting the screen kind of setup, it's just nice. And this is, you know, instead of like a motorized camera or something like that, they're using an under display camera, which the Mi Mix 4 was the first bezel-less phone. I mean, I should say the Mi Mix, the original. And so this is continuing that tradition. And if you look at the renders and the photos here in this article from Engadget, it's like there's almost no bezel on this phone. It's just oh, yeah. like all screen. Yeah, the one thing that stood out to me was the ceramic housing. And I, I desperately want to try a phone with ceramic housing. That has to be just a pleasure to use. Oh, it feels... I mean, first, get a lighter color because they're a fingerprint magnet. It's insane. Like sure. You cannot keep them clean. Yeah. But they're very durable and they feel like... China, you know, like a right. plate. Yeah. But like then if you drop it, nothing happens. It's like it's uncanny. It's like <laughs> they are so strong yet so it's it's not the same cold material as metal, but it, or glass, but it's closer to glass, but it still has its own kind of it's hard to explain. No, I you're fine. <laughs> yeah. I think anyone who is a watch fan and has had a ceramic watch or ceramic partially ceramic watch can relate. It's it's something about it's like titanium. Sure. It's like it's a different material than aluminum, and you immediately know it's titanium, right? Yeah, there's an obvious difference. Yep. So this is uh, the Mi Mix 4, folks, from Xiaomi. And Xiaomi, of course, because they're Xiaomi, and I love China. I, I freaking love Chinese companies. They're just freaking nuts. Like, oh, let's make a, a robot dog to compete with, Boston or not Dynamics. compete, or to kind of match Spot or whatever it's called, the right. Boston Dynamics robot dog. Like, I'm partially, like, totally excited about this and partially completely scared to death about it. <laughs> so I was reading the story that you sent uh, over last night, and the, the thing that stood out to me was it's about $1,600 US if you do the conversion. But it's open source, which allows any developer to add whatever they want through the accessories like LiDAR and all this other stuff through the open ports on the dock. So all I could envision was someone just being like, yeah, I got two grand to waste buying this dog and just developing the crap out of it and adding a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff to this robot dog. It, it sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Well, I think if you're, you know, a company that is looking at you know, you don't want to develop your own robot, but you're trying to develop a solution for a client. This is yeah. a good starting point. And I think that, you know, China has so much manufacturing and robotics industry already that yeah. I think that it just makes sense for them to have like this kind of starting platform instead of having to reinvent the wheel, right? Like there's a market for that. I think it, not just in China, but particularly in China where manufacturing is so strong, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's my gut feeling about it. But they only made a thousand of them. They're calling it what the cyber dog. Uh, <laughs> so there's only a thousand units. It's not like we're going to see these all over the place. But it's going to be interesting to see what people do, especially because they are open source to some extent with the dogs themselves and, you know, what sensors they add to it. LiDAR would be fascinating to see what you could do with that and, and program the dog to move around rooms. Yeah. I know there's a whole bunch of Intel sensing technology in there, which was really interesting to me that they went to Intel for some of the technology in this product. So, yeah, I was not expecting that. It's also interesting to see that we've kind of like landed, you know how technology, when it's developed by multiple companies, lands usually in the same kind of ballpark? Right. And we're seeing the same kind of design in terms of the legs and stuff, right? So I think that's pretty interesting to me that they have you know, this, this thing that looks like spot from Boston dynamics or whatever. It looks a lot like it. It's very, very uncanny. The, the, uh, and 3.2 meter per second is almost the same speed as spot. But anyway, it's got Nvidia power. It's got Intel stuff in it. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. I just had to mention it (laughs) because I think it's just to me, it's like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. It's like Xiaomi you know, has the might. It's like, they're like so big that they can do this. But at the same time, like I was not expecting it from them yet. Oh, look at that. Of course they made a robot dog. And of course it has all this crazy tech. And of course they're selling it. Cause you know, why not? Basically, you know, if you can. That's just, you're sitting around bored one, one day and want to make a thousand cyber dogs. I mean, I mean, if you're an engineer, this is, this is the kind of stuff you live for. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, Exactly. All right, so let's see what we got here. Honor Magic 3. Okay, let's talk about this a bit because there's a bunch of ancillary stories around this that I think are interesting. There is rumors that some Republican lawmakers, believe it or not, are trying to get Honor on the ban list. Even after the sale? Really? Because they still think that they have ties to the Chinese government. But of course, you know, I expect nothing else from, you know, (laughs) Republican lawmakers. But I want to preface this in saying that Don't get too excited about these phones being available soon as global phones with GMS because we know Honor has said that their phones are going to have GMS and that they're going to be available globally. Not in the U.S. specifically, so don't expect 5G support in the U.S., but, but at least you'll be able to import them and they will run on LTE and you'll get some cool phones in your hands. But it might not last. And so just be aware of that. I just want to preface this because it pisses me off. Yeah. You know, like it's annoying to me that I'm actually surprised that our new government is not lifting this Huawei ban. Like, is this just weird? like not? Like, I understand on the network infrastructure side that there are concerns, but I think that the actual like phones and laptops and things like laptops are not affected. They still get Intel chips and Microsoft Windows on them. Why is it that phones are such a big deal? Like, it it's crazy to me when Huawei was making some of the best phones on the planet and still does, but like they're useless without GMS. Yeah, absolutely. And I've gone on my show, Jason Squared, the podcast I co-host at ZDNet, and we've talked about this topic quite a bit. And it always boils down to show us the evidence, right? Like if there is all of this evidence, and I realize there's probably a lot of it that's classified, but at least give us something. Because right now it just looks like you're picking on a company and it still looks like that. I fully expected the new administration to revisit this. Uh Within the first yeah. year, and we're still within that, but it hasn't even been a topic. I'm disappointed about that. I, I mean, I, I'm so glad we have a new regime, but like, this is a sticking point for me. I, I and again, maybe there's good reasons, but I, I don't see them. I don't know them, and maybe I'll never know. We'll never know. Maybe it's 
you know, be on a pay grade, as they say. But I, it stifles innovation to me. It does. You know, it just kind of reinforces that duopoly we have in the U.S. at least of Samsung and Apple, Samsung and Apple. Yeah. Now, I'm not expecting sh- if they lift the ban for Huawei to come in here and sweep things. But I, you know, I think the reason we're not seeing Xiaomi for, after all these years come into this country, yet, you know, even though they've sold TVs here and they sell vacuum cleaners and they sell air purifiers and they sell all kinds of other appliances Android here. Android TV streaming boxes. Yeah, it's because they're afraid. I don't think they're comfortable. They're worried that if they start selling their phones, they're going to become a target. And clearly, like, Honor's already starting to be a target. So, yeah. anyway, let's go back to tech. Honor Magic 3, the magic has always been the kind of like the future-looking right. flagship, almost concept phones from Honor, but they've always sold them, and usually only in China. Yeah, but it's going to eventually launch globally, according to Honor. And there's three models, and they're pretty bonkers. Have you looked at the specs? I have, and I've looked at the prices too, which are even more bonkers. They are insane. The Magic 3 Pro Plus, which is fully loaded, 12 gigs of RAM, 512 storage, it, translation or, you know, converting, it's about, it's a little over $1,700 for a phone. So it's basically, they're, they're pulling a, what Huawei did with their flagship, like the P40 Pro Plus last year, which is like a $1,500 flagship. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you and I both know that's not going to go well here in, in this market. But well, these are you have to understand that the euro pricing includes taxes and a bunch of other stuff, and it always you know ends up being cheaper from importers here anyway, sure. like Gearbest and whatever. But I think you're right. The, the for normally, as we saw with the Mi Mix Four, there these are the prices we're expecting. Like, wow, but this is affordable for what you're getting. But Honor is just like, nope, we're going to show you that we're serious in playing with the big boys or whatever here, and the Apples yeah, exactly. and the Samsungs of the world. Yeah, Crazy. and the cameras are just fully loaded. I mean, they have everything they could possibly throw in a phone, you know, going into like the uh, the Pro has a 64 megapixel telephoto, half-inch sensor. Hey, that sounds pretty good with optical image stabilization. Yeah. Pro Plus has a main 50 megapixel sensor. Um, it's it just, these phones are fully loaded and I would love to play around with them. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that odds of that happening are, uh, you know, very low. Well, don't don't be too surprised. I would reach out to your honor person. Um, I've heard that we're gonna possibly be able to get review units of these, nice. so I'm definitely gonna pursue it because you know, again, they're a different company now. They're no longer attached to Huawei. They right. are making phones with Qualcomm chips, and they're making GMS phones. So, uh, okay, so the Pro and Pro Plus Snapdragon 888 Plus, we knew that the Magic Three has 888, and they all have this. Really crazy resolution. I mean, this is an, it's interesting how so much of this phone specs matches previous Huawei phones, obviously, because they were engineered, I think, still when right. they started like planning them when when Huawei was still owning Honor. Like that display, the 1344p, that 120 hertz, that's is pretty much what we are gonna see on the P50 series as well from Huawei. And and is an evolution of the 90 hertz display we found on the P40 series last year. So not surprised. It's bigger though. 6.76 is a bigger size. The P40 series is actually a relatively compact phone for a flagship. But yeah, those those rear cameras are crazy. Like well, the, the the three has like a 50 megapixel as you had in the 13 megapixel. But then also interestingly, the monochrome camera, which we saw back on the P50. So again, I think these were designed like traditionally the Honor brand was always detuned and more aggressively priced versions of the Huawei brand. Right. And this is clear that the development started in parallel. And the fact that the P50 is also available with Snapdragon 888, but with 5G disabled, 
is also an indicator that they just ran out of Kirin chips and they were already planning to do Qualcomm no matter what. So the Pro adds a 64 megapixel telephoto, 3.5 optical, nice. And then the plus is kind of crazy. Like <laughs> it's like a, a bigger sensor, a bigger 50 megapixel sensor. And it'll be interesting to see if these are RYYB sensors, like remember the Huawei phones of past yep. or you know, which Sony bespoke Sony sensor they got made for them this time, because right. that's basically what Huawei and Honor were doing before. Honor was always reaping the benefits of these, trickle down the benefits from these uh, Huawei sensors onto their phones. And I think in this case, because the fork happened like in the middle of this transition, I think we're going to see a lot of commonality in the P50 series and this phone. I'm excited. Like I, this is basically a P50, pretty much if you look at the specs, more expensive though, which is weird, but with, with, uh, with GMS. So like, bring it on. I want, I, I want my review in it. You're going to have a tantrum. God damn it. Yeah. I hear you. I, uh, I, I hope, I hope that they do bring review units here. I'll definitely reach out to my contact. Yeah. I, I did reach out to them and they said that, you know, stay tuned. It's coming where we're not sure when, what, and because it's not quite launched globally yet. I think we're just going to have to wait for the global launch before we, before they can officially like grant us access to these to these devices. So that's- Yeah, that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then the IMAX branding is interesting to me. It's like, hmm, which uh, imaging powerhouse can we partner with on this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's the Magic 3, folks. Honor's back, and I hope they stay back. I hope they continue being with us for a while because I, I like these phones. I, I mean- I don't know. Like, I'm not a big fan of the waterfall display on the sides of these, but the rest of it, pretty dope, if you ask me, right? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Huawei's always put out good phones. Honor has followed it up, like you said, with the trickle-down features, and, and I've enjoyed using both brands for quite a number of years. Cool. Well, listen, we're going to wrap up with one last topic, and that's the MediaTek Dimensity 920 and A10 announcements. I had, uh, I had James Chen of MediaTek on the podcast last week walking us through the evolution of Wi-Fi and where it's headed in the future. And it was very interesting. And honestly, I've been a big fan of the MediaTek Dimensity chips, the 700, which is their entry-level 5G chip. In my opinion, if you're going to buy an affordable 5G phone today, and you can either get a Snapdragon 480 5G or you can get a 700 5G, the 700 is a better chip. And, you know, this cheaper too, but that doesn't matter. Like, you, sure. forget the price for a second. You're wanting an affordable, budgety kind of phones. That, that is a better chip. And so, of course, there's the 800 series, 900 series, 1000 series, 1100, 1200. The 1200 is a Nord 2. By the way, I've got a Nord 2 review unit. Nice. I was able to score one. Congrats. It was a lot of like, <laughs> a lot of uh, jumping hoops to get that one. Because in the past, I mean, I reviewed the Nord for hot hardware last year. They sent me one automatically. But this year... I think OnePlus, because they're diversifying in their portfolio, is really focusing on sending review units only to the journalists in those markets. Sure. And so none of the US media got Nord 2s, but I've been pushing so hard and I finally have one. So stay tuned for a video, folks. And more importantly, uh, my thoughts on the show next time, again, um, when I get a chance. So these are new chips, 920, 810, you know, evolutions of the, of the existing uh, series. And I just wanted to mention them because it, it just means more you know, possibilities for phone makers to make affordable, in this case, it's more mid-range, this this series, but mid-range 5G phones. And we're starting to see more Dimensity phones in the US. We had the Velvet last year from T-Mobile, which was different 
chip, but same phone as the Velvet with Qualcomm. And, you know, RIP LG phones, right? (laughs) (laughs) And we have the currently the cheapest 5G phone in the US. I just got a unit as well is the T-Mobile Revel V Plus 5G. And that's that's a Dimensity 700 5G. And it looks surprisingly and suspiciously similar in specs other than the chip and the 5G to the TCL 20 SE. Oh, really? Yet I pinged Brad at TCL yeah. and he said, no, we did not make this phone OEM for, for Timo. This company called WingTech did it. Interesting. Yet if you look at the displays are identical, the cameras are identical, like spec identical, the battery identical, the shape and size of the chassis are very similar, the battery, the, the camera bump, the ports. The only thing that's slightly different is the fingerprint sensor got relocated to the edge of the phone on the T-Mobile version and it's on the back of the phone on the TCL. But I'm like, Brad, you're just, you're just messing with me, dude. Like, there is no <laughs> way this is not a TCL phone. And I'm like, right. no, it's not. Anyway, that phone, I'm going to play with it and let you know what I think because I'm very intrigued But how bad or how good can a $200 5G phone be. Yeah, I know. I know T-Mobile right now, I keep joking about this, but you can walk into any T-Mobile store and probably walk out for free with a 5G phone. Oh, you absolutely could. Like, yeah. they are so intent on giving you a 5G phone right now. Yeah. But um, I think this is good. This is good news. Like, I, when I reviewed the OnePlus Nord N200 for hot hardware, I was, finally got to see some mid-band and... I got 300 down and 50 That's, up. Wow. Like in the middle of the boonies. I was like at $240, whatever that phone costs. I'm yeah. like, all right. I can see this being great, especially if you're like in the boonies and you want a hotspot. Like this is great, sure. you know? Yeah. So, T-Mobile doesn't work where I live, like at all. I have to oh, drive man. a few miles down the road to get T-Mobile service, reliable T-Mobile service. <laughs> it's so any of that oh. stuff is off limits for me. So I, I didn't request that the re, a review unit of the Revel, but uh, yeah, it, it, I you know where it works, it works great. But just you're in Colorado somewhere, right? So I am. I'm in about two hours south of Denver. Oh, okay. So you probably. They probably just don't reach out to that, but I bet you you're okay in Denver or Boulder or something. Oh right? yeah, in, in larger cities, drive two miles down the road, I'm fine. But where I'm at, it's just it's a dead it's spot. It's a dead spot. Oh, and man. the map shows it, it's full 5G signal. There's yeah, there's, they probably lie. Did you see that new FCC map? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that did. actually uses a modeling of the terrain and the propagation of the of the signal based on the frequency and the physical location of the towers, since they yeah. have all that data. The FCC, it in some areas confirms that their maps like the carrier maps are correct but in some areas you're like eh, right. yeah exactly. you're you're pushing it and maybe you're in one of those spaces anyway i'll leave a, a link in the show notes for this gsm arena post that summarizes what these mediatek ships bring to the market i'm not going to get into it here but just expect more mediatek phones and i welcome them so and don't get me wrong i think that you know qualcomm is obviously still doing great stuff but i feel like you know MediaTek's just really been pushing it. Like they're just aggressive right now. They and really it's just are. like you you got you gotta love that aggressive stance. It's great stuff. Anyway, Jason, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, like your social media handles and where you write and all that stuff? Yeah, so I freelance for a ton of different places. ZDNet is one of them. So ZDNet.com, you can find me on there. Easiest way to keep up with what I'm doing or ask me questions, get in touch is on Twitter. I'm Mr. Sippy, M-R-C-I-P-P-Y, at Mr. Sippy on Twitter. And I'm on there all the time, even if I'm not tweeting, I'm still around. So feel free to reach me there. 
Other places you could check my work, CNET, write how-to articles for them. Those of you who are watching the video uh, recording of this, see all the power stations and lamps behind me. <laughs> I, I review battery packs and wireless chargers and stuff for PC World. And there's uh, a lighting battery endurance test for power stations going on behind me. So, you know, IGN, review gaming laptops, and CNN underscore do a whole bunch of stuff there. Cool. Yeah, you folks should follow Jason. Good stuff. And folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like Tankerl, the comic book character, but drop the vowels. That's my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. If you want to discuss this podcast with Jason and I, please hit us up on Twitter. And if you want to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, check out my Instagram. I got a whole bunch of stuff there. The podcast, as you know, lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe and tell your friends. There's an RSS feed there also. And if your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. It really helps. There's a couple of YouTube channels to go along with the podcast as well. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast and YouTube.com slash mobile tech more. The first is a Visual compliment to the show, since this is primarily an audio podcast, except for those of you on Patreon who are watching us on video right now, and I'll get to that in a second. Since it's mostly an audio podcast, if you want to see the devices I just talked about, that Revel V Plus 5G and the Nord 2 when I unbox it, there'll be videos on my YouTube channel for that. And it's unboxing, hands-on reviews, that kind of stuff. Mobile Tech More is a new channel. We're trying to reach a thousand subscribers. It's... Uh, Probably not that new now, like about a year old. But my producer and I are trying to figure out how we're going to set this up. And I think it's going to be mostly like the more part of mobile tech. So essentially, you know, all the accessories and the lifestyle stuff and the travel tech and the car tech and uh, home automation, that kind of stuff. Whatever we get our hands on, time permitting, right now it's been really hard to get the channel off the ground because we just have so much going on with just the main stuff. But stay tuned and we'd appreciate you subscribing anyway. So yeah, like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff on the YouTube channel that really helps on both channels. And finally, the Patreon. I just said, you know, we've got a whole bunch of great tiers on patreon.com. Patreon.com slash tankgirl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L. And... You know, you can get access to the Discord server. Another tier lets you see this video unedited right after I record it, which is nice because you get the podcast a little earlier and on video and you don't have to get any edits. So you get all the, the mess ups that I do pretty regularly. So yeah, <laughs> please join the Patreon if you can help and support us. And I want to thank Morgan Johnston today for joining this week. Thanks, Morgan. And again, folks, patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash tnkgrl. Check it out. And finally, I mean, I can't do this without thanking our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the early days of the show, and they're pretty awesome. They've been sponsoring us forever, and they help us, and you can help them help us by checking out this link, audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. It's uh, a way to get 30-day free trial with Audible if you're not already a member and you get to keep a free book if you don't decide to stay. Hopefully you will decide to stay because you know what? If you love books as much as I do, 
Audible's a no-brainer. It's basically the best audiobook platform on the planet. They don't do just audiobooks. They do all kinds of audio content, podcasts, a bunch of other stuff. And their selection is incredible. They have a lot of books read by the authors. And, you know, if you're like me, you like books, but maybe you're a delivery driver or you like to go on road trips and I'm the main driver in my household. So, you know, I have to be behind the wheel. I can't really read. So, and also I get seasick if I do. So anyway, <laughs> you know, Audible has just been fantastic to have in the household and my family and I. So, Check it out, audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. Support us by supporting them. I want to thank Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And Jason, thank you again for being a guest on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It was a real pleasure. All right, my friend. I'll have you on again soon. And folks, we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.